Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Yes, indeed. It's uh, Tuesday, the 20th of February, 2024. Huge week, huge week this week for journalism and huge week this week for the independent media. Of course, uh, the Assange uh, hearing is being done today and tomorrow in London. TNT will be live or are live uh, at the moment. Obviously, beaming out uh, information regards to the trial. We have guests on related to that as well. Uh, there's been a slight change in programming, as I'm sure you're aware. Sonia Poulton and David Curtin and Abby Roberts will be on the ground broadcasting live uh, from an undisclosed location in London, uh, right beside the Courts of Justice uh, over the next few hours, obviously, whenever things kick off proper there this morning. So a little bit of programming changes, if you can bear with us uh, for today, also tomorrow and probably Friday as well, but we will keep you posted. Uh, just housekeeping TNT, obviously, we have an app that we would really appreciate you downloading and using to listen uh, to our output. You can get that on the Google Play Store and also the Apple App Store. Uh, download it onto your listening device of choice and make sure you check out our website, which is tntradio.live. It really is a hub. Uh, you can go on there and check out uh, the broadcasting schedule. You can see who's on the books at the minute in terms of presenters, uh, editors, and whatnot. You can contact us. You can send us emails. You can send us suggestions. If you have a guest that you would maybe like to have on the show or any uh, constructive criticism, we welcome it all. Please feel free to uh, use the submission forms and either message us uh, individually or the station as a whole and also uh, while i'm talking about it uh an english man i'm not sure uh, you don't you're not on the live chat anymore but you've been sending me some really nice links and some cool emails through i'm not sure if i can reply back to the email address you've sent me so if you're listening in this morning uh many thanks uh for all the feedback and the links that you're sending me through on emails. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, of course, TNT, we're in a war at the minute, guys. This is an absolute war. We're on war of freedom, war of independence, war of liberty, uh, everything. The truth is at stake here. So we are in a war and we're fighting against some very big players. But if you've read the story of David and Goliath in the Bible, you know just one small lad with a slingshot was enough to take down the Philistine giant and then remove his head clean off his shoulders. Yes, indeed, and take his armor, and take his sword as well, by the way, if you want to get into details on that one. But we are absolutely fighting some Goliaths at the minute, and we really appreciate your support spreading the news about TNT. Uh, I know a lot of you guys uh, have bought lovely merchandise and you're walking billboards for TNT. And of course, there's a donate option on our website as well, if you feel led and uh, to help us out financially as well. That's great. It all goes into the war funds, into the war covers to help the war effort so anyway it's a little bit of a plug there for the wonderful tnt uh, something i love dearly and have done right from the get-go got to take a brief pause now gonna bring gem in before the guests arrive as well got a lot to talk about ba -ba 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 on tnt today's news talk bringing you a world view i like to hear what's going on around the world today's news talk radio tnt Okay, literally squeezing as much in sardine style as we can. 
Just before uh, we come to the story that you've highlighted, Gemma, thought you might like to hear this one. Uh, we've been talking, you and I have been talking about the state of play with Limerick uh, University Hospital in Ireland. It's breaking records about the amount of people that are sitting on trolleys there. It's an absolute uh, horror story down in Limerick at the moment. Sadly, an inquiry, this is a, a, a piece that I've just seen here this morning. A young girl, 16, a second girl dies suddenly age 16 on the trolleys in that hospital waiting to get medical attention. The death three weeks ago follows the high profile case of Eva Johnson, also 16, who died there in December 2022. Died in front of her mother, died with her mother there waiting on a trolley to get medical care in that hospital. What's it going to take uh, before people actually stop talking about stuff like this and the Irish Health Board say, oh, you know, it's an administration and a lack of funds and this, that and the other. There's 16-year-olds dying on trolleys in Irish hospitals. That's, I was going to say that's third world style, but it's not. That doesn't even happen in Africa. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it, that we're even discussing a news story like this, two news stories like this within a, it's such a short space of time and the, the the findings coming out. 16 years old, died in front of her mother. That's not the natural way of anything in the world, no matter what country you are living in. And of course, the, the authorities, it is the same in lockstep. We just don't have the money. The waiting list, in, you know, here in the UK, uh, NHS waiting list are huge. Not addressing any of the root causes of the issue, saying there's no money for anything. There seems to be no money for anything except to immigration and foreign wars that seems to be where all the money seems to be going and that's not to to kind of demonize all asylum seekers it's the policies not the people it's the policies it's government policy that create these problems um but those that's a shocking and very sad couple of statistics that you bring to the table this morning and of course there is no sign of these kind of things ending at all at all mm -hmm. This was only three. Now, this was only three weeks ago. There was another 16-year-old girl that died in 2022. And just very briefly, listen to this. Uh, the Irish Independent understands that in the, this case, the latest case, the girl had been initially admitted with difficulty breathing into the resuscitation area, but she was triaged and deemed well enough to be transferred onto a trolley in a corridor. However, her condition deteriorated further and following repeated pleas from her mother, a doctor ordered that she be moved back into the packed resuscitation area on a trolley in the middle of the room. There was no room in any individual births. Then she passed away, sadly, in her mother's presence. Can you imagine begging the doctor to help her and say, no, stick her back in that uh, trolley and that, in that, out of the resuscitation area, and then she dies, your own child dies in front of you. I can't even begin to imagine uh, what that mother's going through. You know, the grief, the anger, maybe the bitterness. The, uh, what do you even do? How do you even process that? Well, I mean, yeah, how do you? M many, many people lose children, they never get over it. And it's it's, it's not the natural order of things, is it, Rick? Um, no. But I would also wager that the, you know, the, the other 16 year old was 2022, did you say, uh, mm -hmm, that she passed mm -hmm. away? I mean, there is a story there of why 16 year olds are passing away suddenly. Why was she having mm -hmm. difficulty breathing? I don't know about anything about the case. She may have had asthma, she may have had respiratory issues, she may mm -hmm. have been unwell for a very long time, you just don't know. But even those two statistics in themselves are actually quite shocking two 16 year olds uh, passing away and we are seeing more and more young people as we rightly know unfortunately uh, dying suddenly we are uh, so those are those are some facts that need to be analyzed too as well as why yeah. there is such a chronic lack of beds in, in hospitals in the western world uh, with all the money that's available to go to other places and to other people, that's my big bugbear at the minute, Gemma. I'm not against helping other people. I'm not against sending foreign aid out there. But when you have 
teenagers dying on trolleys in Ireland because doctors don't have the bed space or the facilities to treat them and their mothers are begging for help and they're ignored and their daughters are passing away in front of their own eyes. I'm sorry, but how can you justify, not you personally, obviously, but how can anyone justify funding a war in Ukraine or sending money to this and sending money to that when our own kids are dying on trolleys and corridors in our own hospitals? I just don't see any uh, logic behind that one at all. But anyway, I thought I would bring that to you because you and I have discussed that uh, story at length in the past uh, over the last few weeks here on uh, TNT. But you've got another one for us here uh, from Australia talking about crime and punishment or people getting away with things for a long time. Uh, some uh, canny uh, smuggler uh, seems to have been having his way with uh, tobacco in Australia for quite some time before uh, the long arm of the laws grabbed them. What's this one about? Well, I think this brings in a lot of issues. I mean, we're talking about Julian Assange here in the UK. His hearing kicks off in just a few hours. He's waiting to see if he can appeal his extradition uh, order from the US. And somebody else who's waiting for extradition today is a Chinese man in Australia called Jing Guanguha. I think I've pronounced that correctly. And he's being held by the Australian authorities. The Attorney General's Office Department in Australia has confirmed this morning. Um, he's wanted as part of this huge... Uh, tobacco smuggling ring, um, which has allegedly generated, you know, $700 million for North Korea, which has been used allegedly to fund its ballistic and nuclear weapons program. So this uh, tobacco smuggling and revenue and, and bypassing of sanctions, which is what this story is about, isn't a new thing. In fact, uh, a British American tobacco was fined last year uh, in order to pay nearly $700 million for um, bypassing sanctions, selling fake tobacco or selling tobacco to North Korea, which North Korea used the profits of. To, to to raise money for whatever he wants to raise money for. So Jim Guanguha um, is, is allegedly involved in this big scheme uh, run through a series of North Korean state-owned companies and then through the banks uh, uh, selling tobacco into uh, in North Korea and then using Chinese-fronted companies to conduct transactions uh, through US financial system bypassing sanctions uh, and, and those that bypassing of sanctions allegedly raised millions of dollars for North Korea, which the America is saying that's gone directly towards funding nuclear weapons programs. Uh, and this guy, he's he's a player. Um, allegedly, his co-conspirators um, are wanted by the FBI. They don't know where his kind of gang members, if you want to call them that, or his his colleagues <laughs> are. Uh, they're offering a, a bounty, the FBI, of nearly half a million dollars for information leading to uh, Mr. Jin's co-conspirator's arrest and conviction. Uh, fake cigarettes apparently have been a major source of income for North Korea since the 1990s. That's according to America. Uh, the trade is thought to be the biggest source of hard currency going into the country. And because of the bypassing of sanctions with selling fake cigarettes in, they then they're sold on, then the money is raised, bypassing all the usual official channels. It's a huge black market. As I say, British American tobacco were fined just last year, huge amount of money. Uh, they, that had been going on for 10 years. One of their subsidiaries had been supplying North Korea with, with tobacco. Um, so it's nothing new. This guy's just been caught. He's held in an Australian jail at the moment, uh, awaiting extradition, awaiting to see what the US will do with him. Uh, and as I say, the uh, Australian Attorney General this morning has said, yeah, he's wanted for fraud, money laundering and conspiracy offences. He won't be the only one though, Rick. And it it does rather kind of beg the trade of, you know, the, the huge arms trade going on around the world, you know, the black market, and not just in cigarettes, but in so many other products. We know about there's the illegal pet trade. You know, where does the money actually end up going from these, these black market trades? Does it go into central banking departments of, of, of secretive countries? Um, whose pockets are they going into? And it, it's, a, it's a very kind of... Uh, 
keen illustration of an underworld uh, where, where huge amounts of money are changing hands. It's a black counterfeit market. This guy's been caught like Julian Assange. He's awaiting extradition. I don't think this guy, though, is going to have leave to appeal. Do you? No, I don't. I, it's an interesting contrast as well, but because, the, you know, the main, uh, but, you know, the main scandal about the whole Assange thing is that he hasn't actually been convicted of any crime. And, he, you know, he's been locked up uh, for five years as if he's committed murder. Uh, you know, if you commit murder, chances are you'll go to prison. You maybe end up in solitary confinement because you're uh, a risk to other inmates. He's being treated effectively as a murderer or a, or a terrorist having not done anything. And we have this chap here who's been merrily uh, making money hand over fist for, what, 10 years with different front companies and one thing and another, extraditing him there for fraud on one thing and another, just desserts possibly coming his way. But for Assange, you know, it illustrates, doesn't it? But the, the imbalance there, you have two guys both awaiting extradition for crimes. One has been committing crimes for 10 years by the looks of it, making a lot of money. The other guy hasn't done anything at all. And he's waiting for extradition for a 175 year sentence, by the way. This chap, if he does go to America uh, and get tried, I don't think he's gonna get 175 years, uh, but unlike poor uh, Julian Assange. So doesn't it illustrate the contrast too in the, the so-called justice system, uh, how one guy can go to prison allegedly, you know, for 175 years, for the, the crime of journalism. Another guy's been making millions laundering uh, money. And maybe, I don't know, he might get 10 or 15 years maybe earlier than that if he's good. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, and actually, yeah, it does say he faces decades. This guy faces decades. Mm. He's helped, you know, allegedly help North Korea raise $700 million to fund its nuclear arms program. He faces decades in prison, possibly, and, and millions of dollars in fines, it has to say, mm. I have to say, but not 175 years. No, you're quite right. Centuries? The, the, the parents, That's centuries? Yeah, centuries. Centuries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the parallels uh, and the kind of contrast at the same time are quite astounding. But that's the topsy-turvy world that we are living in. And of course, Mr. Jin, he's not the only one. Like I say, his co-conspirators uh, are still at large and the FBI is offering significant sums. And you, it won't be just three people. This is obviously a huge global international network. And apparently to help launder this money and through this counterfeit cigarettes um, scam, if you want to call it that, or business or business venture, if you, if you want to take the opposite view, um, they set up uh, um, uh, uh, ways of laundering the money through the UK and New Zealand as well to kind of bypass all the American sanctions that that are, are put in place when, when tobacco is involved. But even the tobacco company last year was was part of this and that they were caught red-handed and they, they, they apologized. They paid the money, which they clearly have. But this is a huge trade, Rick. It's huge going on. And uh, yeah. as I say, I don't think this guy's extradition, uh, any appeal hopes for him. But let's hope that Julian uh, today, we do hear some some good news on his front because you say that like 175 years for what? Doing the right thing. Crazy. You couldn't make it out, could you? Couldn't no, make it out. No, no. Like I said, if we committed murder, if you and I went out today in a killing spree, Gemma, and we killed a lot of people today, we wouldn't get 175 years in prison, let alone uh, for publishing something that someone else had passed to us uh, that's in the public interest, which is effectively uh, what Assange has been doing through WikiLeaks. But uh, let's hope, uh, let's hope, let's just keep hope alive and for a positive outcome. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're covering it as it does happen. But let's keep hope alive anyway, because if you don't have hope, uh, you've got nothing at all. So uh, many thanks to you, of course, uh, for bringing us these uh, stories in the morning. I know you'll be back uh, in the next hour as well and throughout the rest of today. Uh, the wonderful Gemma Cooper. I'll be back after the break. I've got two guests. I've got Pella Nerath-Taylor and I've also got David Oniggs uh, from Australia. We're going to be talking a shop about what's going on in London at the minute here live and 
exclusive on TNT, today's news talk. TNT's Jeremy Nell. He was saying to me how he has found himself trying to unlearn and relearn a lot of what he thought he knew thanks to the COVID era. And that's precisely echoing what I've been saying. And I su suppose millions of people have been saying that. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, the Second World War was obviously a major societal event, and in, in global event, etc. You know, and you know, this, in a way, what we've been through for the last four years seems to be is you have to go back to the Second World War to find something similar for people of our generation um, and, and all people in the West, at least. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Will Julian Assange be extradited back to the USA? Covering his two-day public hearing at the UK High Court and live from London, this is today's News Talk TNT. Okay, we are locked, we are loaded, we are live here on TNT Today's News Talk. I'm really happy to be joined for the first time on this show anyway, the first time I've got speaking to uh, one of my colleagues here in TNT, none other than Pellet Neroth-Taylor. He is a journalist, he's a writer, he's an author, he's a filmmaker, uh, he's based in Sweden at the minute, uh, and he's made a couple of movies that have actually been on Amazon Prime, Sweden, dying to be multicultural and also Cancel Nation. And very importantly, he's also the host of the Pell and Nero Taylor Show, which goes out Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. UK time here on the one and only TNT. Welcome to the show, uh, Pella. What a time to be Thanks, alive Rick. at the minute. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks. What a time to be Thank alive, you. eh? It's exciting, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on, isn't there? Uh, for both good and bad. I mean, I, I wake up in the mornings and wonder if World War III's broken out, you know? Mm. So I do a quick um, news check at five in the morning because you think anything can happen. And I worry about um, the uh, another shocker. You know, I don't know what uh, your view is, but I think that um, we've been subjected to in the last 10 or 15 years a, a number of uh, sort of explosive events which always have the excited British media going into overdrive almost as if it's prepared. And maybe it is prepared. I mean, I think that's the thing. I think that... Uh, there, these are kind of intelligence operations that have been uh, planned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the re most recent one was Navalny. Uh, but we've also mm -hmm. got Skripals. We've got uh, the Duma, the chemical attacks on Assad. Uh, we've got uh, possibly even um, the, the whole Browder thing. And maybe even the Litvinenko. 
I don't know. The, the thing is about, I mean, when I've, on my show, I've been excoriating the Brits and the Americans as the intelligence ops people extraordinaire. You know, I don't want, everything you could say about Russia can be correct, but that is not incompatible with uh, saying that the Brits also do these things. So you always need context. Just as the same, I mean, I, I in my life, I've, my girlfriend's quite left wing, so she's dragged me to the left. So, I mean, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. I mean, what I'm saying is you can be absolutely against the genocide of Palestinians, but also against mass immigration. Those two are not in incompatible, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. you, just because you don't want uh, your population of nine million Swedes uh, with five million people from Africa who, are, who live in a continent which is growing by five million people a week or whatever it is, or, it doesn't mean that you want these people killed, you know. It's the invade the world, invite the world people that worry me. I mean, they say, well, you know, we bomb them in their country, but if as soon as they come to my country, you know, if you call them the N-word, then you lose your job. I mean, you know, <laughs> ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So it, it is, I'm, it so, is, yeah. I'm like yeah. you, I'm like you. I mean, like I, I hold the same, I mean, I, I'm against an open borders policy, especially when we don't have the infrastructure, for example, in the UK or possibly even over in Sweden as well. You don't mm -hmm. have the places and schools. You don't have the, the doctors or the, the facilities uh, to accommodate a massive influx of people, especially when they're coming to a country and not being economically viable. They're coming to take are coming to leech economically rather than to contribute economically. Yeah. So I'm all for uh, immigration. You know, a lot of, you've moved uh, to Sweden from uh, yeah. London, uh, from England. Yeah. You know, a lot of people uh, that, that are on TNT have moved to Mexico, moved around the world. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. Some of my best neighbors have been uh, from uh, Swaziland, actually, that I've ever yeah. had. They were over in Northern Ireland working. However, that's not necessarily what we're seeing. We're not seeing the yeah. best of people uh, coming to their countries. We're seeing a lot of chancers coming. And a lot of them are coming illegally, putting massive strain on things. And yes, I'm like you, I would be very against that. But at the same time, uh, completely against uh, the genocide that's currently happening in, in Gaza at the minute too, it is possible to have both views and uh, remain true to your principles. I mean, we the, these debates, it's all mixed up and it's all confused. There's no single truth. I mean, here you have um, a vicious war being fought in eastern Ukraine uh, between uh, Russian speakers' rights to have their own language and the Ukrainian that states desire to impose what is, after all, just a dialect of Russian, very similar language. And we're all, whole world is supposed to fight for that and worry about that. And then suddenly, same time, you, you invite into Sweden, for instance, people from radically different cultures who have very difficulty fitting in. You have the Northern Ireland issue where uh, Catholics mm -hmm. and Protestants who exactly, I can't tell, I made the mistake of saying, oh, you're a Catholic or Protestant. And I, I was shunned by that person. But anyway, you know, and you have your flags and uh, longstanding conflict. Mm -hmm. And yet we invite and, 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 um, uh, and that's a problem, you know, uh, but, but at the same time, Sweden invites in to this small town, which has been homogeneous, has had a cathedral for a thousand years, no invasion in its history, really one of history's sainted lucky areas. Suddenly you have 30% of the population is from Somalia and there's really no mixing between the Swedes and the Somalis. Mm -hmm. Somalis have a lot of kids and um, obviously they're, they're, if you go to the uh, swimming baths or if you go to the hospital, they're massively overrepresented. I mean, they're like 80 or 90%. Whereas if you go to one of the Swedish folk dances or Christmas celebrations, you think, oh, there's no immigration going on because it's all uh, just Swedes. But of course, if you look at the people, it's all old Swedes and young Somalis. So you just have to look at the primary school opposite where I am to see what Swedes are going to look like in 20 years' time. That's assuming no further immigration. 
So, I mean, it's, are we, we, you know, why do we have armies? What are we fighting for? What are we allowed to fight for? Are we allowed to, we fight, we fight for the right not to, the Swedish deep state is going into overdrive to fight a war in Russia 3,000 kilometers away for the rights of Ukrainians. But hang on, they're right, they're fighting for the rights of Ukrainians to impose their language on the Russians, or at best, they're fighting for the rights of the Ukrainians not to be overwhelmed by the Russian army, to have Russian soldiers walking in their streets. But what have you got in Sweden? You've got Somali young men walking the streets, you know, and talking their language, and they're nice guys on an individual level. I'm not saying that. And most of, and all, you know, we shouldn't be bad to them, but it, it is another culture, and it, they're imposing mm -hmm. things, and it's going to be their way in 20 years' time. Mm -hmm. So isn't that an invasion? We, I think we have to re reconsider what location, what immigration, settlement, colonization, immigration are. Are they different things, or all the, are they all the same thing, you know? Yeah, so, and the other thing is, the, the other thing is, uh, Pella, also, I mean, like, I've spent a lot of time in East Africa. When I went yeah. there, I didn't expect them to adapt to my culture. I tried my best to adapt yeah. to the culture of yeah. the people that I was going to. Whilst I still yeah. retain my own identity, of course, I think you have to be very mindful and very respectful yeah. when you go to a different country and you go to people of a different language and a different culture. You have to be respectful of that culture and yeah. not expect them to bend the knee to you uh, and to expect to get them to learn your language, I think. In fact, it should be the other way around. Uh, so I think a little bit of courtesy and a little bit of uh, common respect is definitely due there. Uh, we need to go to a little quick headline break. And when we come back, let's look at the possible outcomes uh, that could be happening today in London. Uh, reference this astonish extradition hearing. So we'll get your views and opinions on that when we come back here on TNT, today's news talk. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're breaking news. Oh, okay, carry on. What? TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The fate of WikiLeaks co-founder Julian Assange could be sealed this week, with London's High Court to rule within days whether or not he has grounds to appeal his extradition to the United States. US Republicans are pushing to start loaning instead of gifting money to Ukraine, and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected a two-state solution, vowing to never support the establishment of a permanent Palestinian state. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, Pella, I want to get your thoughts and opinions on what's happening here with regards to uh, the business in London. Obviously, TNT are on the ground here today. It's a massive day uh, for Assange. Uh, from your perspective, obviously, you're a writer, uh, you're a journalist, you're a filmmaker, you've produced content that some people could turn around and say, well, I think he's a bit of a right-wing extremist. I don't like his views. I don't like what he's been saying about immigration. I think he should be behind open borders for all and diversity is our strength. Mm. You know, you have a different opinion to the left. FDs, for example, possibly your girlfriend, but that shouldn't mean that you shouldn't be free to express what you want to express. There could be a real uh, killer blow for freedom of speech today if Assange is actually extradited over to America. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been cancelled, but the thing is, you can you, you can never prove that you've been cancelled. They just say, "Oh, I'm sorry, we that position isn't open" or whatever. I mean, they. they everyone's aware that you can't cancel people of their political views unless you're a high profile person but definitely i've i've, I've noticed that and i mean i film was the the um people just have to google my name and um you know i'm afraid to say i think it's a lot of uh, women young women especially who sit in the human resources departments or often commit, especially in sweden i mean there's a lot of and they have 
very, very, very strong views about things like immigration, you know, and uh, it's a very black and white view. And actually, my arguments are quite nuanced. And I wrote a book about uh, immigration. And I, I was sort of saying, well, take my views in context of, I mean, sometimes you have to scream when everybody else is screaming in the other direction about something else. And you kind of screaming back. And they say, stop screaming. What are you screaming about? It's because there's such a torrent of propaganda coming in the other direction. You have to make a strong statement to even be noticed. And then and then they hold that against you, you know? And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, we live in a world where um, if you look on LinkedIn, I, I call it Bum Suckers United, you know? It's full of people who just say the right things. They're, they're the, I mean, I think they're going to be swept away by the pitchforks one day. Okay. But people who have nice jobs and all look slicked up, and they never say anything of substance, and they give each other jobs, you know? And these are the people who hate Trump, who hate Assange. I mean, hate any any anything that might threaten their position, which is based on often frequently a kind of mediocrity and a, and, a, and a wisdom or whatever. They're also, the, we call them the midwits, you know, people with an IQ of about 110, who are not so smart as to be really think for themselves, but are smart enough to kind of go against the consensus. So I, I mean, I, I sympathize with Assange, of course. I mean, he was, a, I followed the whole story because I, I was living in the UK back then, but um, the uh, Swedes, uh, were obviously central in the whole Assange affair. And I read the books and both Swedish and English sources because I speak fluent Swedish, my mother's Swedish. Mm. And I, I don't know, I mean, I, so sometimes when you, I, I was revisiting some of those uh, books and stories and you can get into such detail, you know, whose condom was broken, whose was it, uh, did it have Assange's DNA? And I can't remember, I'm not that kind of details person, but obviously I've been looking back with the 10 or 14 years experience I've had since that, God, it was already 14 years ago. It was definitely an intelligence operation. I mean, you know, obviously they had, it was MI6 practicing their theatrical production skills that they were later going to use in Duma and Navalny and everything else. Uh, the question is whether the two women were assets. I mean, I think, I think they probably were. Um, and I think that uh, I, it's interesting that the, the woman, Sophia Villain, who turned up at Assange's um, uh, conference with a pink sweater and and totally out of place, you know, where, where did she come from? Said her Assange's friends, Johannes Wallström, who, who am I going to try and interview on my show? Um, and uh, and uh, she kind of insinuated herself and she said, Assange comes across as a very unwise man who can't control his impulses, if nothing else, especially when he's doing such a, an important job. I mean, he was warned, no, don't consort. My advice is to any whistleblowers is you have to have a, a, a purer life than anyone because people will get at you and they have infinite resources compared to you in your little room or whatever, in your Zoom connection. They, the intelligence services have, I mean, in, in billions of dollars, uh, and they have, they, they're de propaganda departments uh, going by all the Mockingbird stuff back in the 70s is bigger than the news budget of newsrooms. And of course, they have assets inside most newsrooms as well, you know. So of course, um, and the, the, the Swedish press used Assange's case to make him guilty, even as the first allegation surfaced. And everyone says, oh, oh, that's the, just the tabloid media. Of course it's not. It's not. Don't feel sorry for journalists. Don't think, oh, that's that, that's just journalists. Pat them on the head, you know, as you would a sort of errant mm -hmm. child who means well. These are PSYOPs operatives. I mean, there's a very, very strong link between the Swedish tabloids and the Swedish intelligence services and the English tabloids and the intelligence services. And they have a 
a mutually symbiotic relationship where they feed each other, feed them lies. They pr produce those lies before anything else can happen. So you set set that narrative in stone. So Assange was a rapist. So he was tried without a court case within minutes uh, when the news went out on Twitter and everything. And that was coordinated, of course, you know. And then I think, um, and you know, just as the British accuse Navalny of being killed by Putin. Um, yeah without evidence, unless they know. I mean, I think they, they did it themselves. But let's just accuse the, the British of doing an Assange and not mess around with b b torn condoms and things like that. Because I know I've followed these uh, conspiratorial trails and the more detail we get into, the more the less common people will believe it because they say, oh, I can't be bothered to read that. And so, I, I mean, uh, make big claims, fight the, fight the guys with the, the same uh, sweeping mm -hmm. statements. But I mean, just the general picture, somebody studied intelligence operations for the last 15 years, it clearly was a way to cement also the Anglo-Swedish intelligence relationship. I mean, they were probably having fun planning their next move. And it's not that difficult to produce a, a fake serrate, uh, broken condom and give it to the Swedish uh, forensic department. That's all you, all you have to do is use a pair of scissors. You know, it's not difficult. So that's what I think that's what they sounds, did. Yeah, it's yeah, tip, a typical midwit mid move. I'm sorry. I said it was a typical midwit move. You you referenced midwits earlier. Yeah, on, yeah, midwit about an IQ. Yeah, it doesn't take right. a doesn't take someone with super high intelligence to come no, up. No, I know exactly. Like, so a move like that one, you know. But we'll, we'll mean, have I, to we'll have to we'll have to we'll just have to start what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think. Uh, sorry, sorry. I, I was just focusing on the Swedish side. I but and then I yeah. kind of lost. Uh, as I understand it, I mean, I think that um, I I really hope it works out well for uh, Julian today. And I think, but I think. Um, what we don't have is political organization uh, in a way that we've, we've got all the knowledge we need. I think thanks to Twitter, thanks to a lot of some news website, especially in America, American journalists, uh -huh. alternative media journalists are doing great jobs. TNT is doing a great job of spreading the truth. I think there's a greater awareness than there was in 2010. The, the governments are lying all the time since 9-11. And 9-11 was a lie. The election was stolen. The vax thing was a, was in a massive hoax, mass death and all these things. So millions of people now, and Tucker Carlson, all these people are spreading a story. So there's much greater awareness. But what we still don't have, uh, it, uh, as in the Assange period, is, is organization, because we're all sitting here on our mobile phones. We don't mm -hmm. go out there with our pitchforks and try and change the world. Mm -hmm. And so even if the next election is stolen in America, what are the Trumpists going to do? You know, there's no, because although we have greater knowledge of the deep state, the deep state knows everything about us. We're, we're totally, we're totally surveilled, you know, and, uh, uh, and uh, it's getting I, worse. It's not. It's not. It's not getting any better in that respect. If anything, uh, they're tightening the screws down further. But at least for now, uh, Pella. At least for now, we have a platform here, uh, especially on TNT, where we can simply speak the truth, and that there are people out there that can hear. We're not strangled by regulators or anything at this point in time, anyway. So we're making hay uh, while the sun still shines. So we've got to wrap this one up for now. Uh, that's Pella Neroth Taylor. Please check out his show. That's normally on uh, from 12 to 1 uh, uh, UK time, Monday through Friday. He'll be on later on again today uh, with more coverage of the Assange trial. But please stay tuned for more. I have David Oneigs beaming in from uh, Australia after the short ad break here on TNT, today's news talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Yesterday, for the second year in a row, Joe Biden skipped the traditional pre-Super Bowl interview. It would have exposed him to 60 million people a chance to rebut 
what the special counsel said about his memory and, and other things. And it comes as no surprise that he skipped it. What comes as a surprise is what Jake Tapper said on CNN. People misspeak. I get it. I misspeak. But part of the job of president is the, the having the confidence of the American people in your faculties. Forget what Robert Hur said in the report. This is President Biden, Biden speaking publicly. Do you understand why some Democrats, according to polls, a majority of Democrats are concerned? And then Tapper addressed the missed Super Bowl opportunity with Democratic Congressman Robert Garcia. For instance, he's not doing the traditional Super Bowl interview with the network that's hosting the Super Bowl, which this year is CBS. I understand not doing it last year with Fox. This year it's CBS, and he's, he's not doing that. That sends a signal to people. What is he afraid of uh, when it comes to doing that interview? He's not afraid of anything. I mean, oh, first, uh, the, the president's got a busy schedule. I mean, who cares if he's not doing the Super Bowl interview? He it's not that people care about it, uh, whether or not it is a Super Bowl interview. It's, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity to speak to tens of millions of Americans. And uh, I, I have it under good authority that this year there are going to be a lot of Swifties watching. Uh, that's a lot of women uh, and men. Good for Tapper. Shame on shameless Garcia. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. Free speech, free press, free Assange. Live from London and covering Julian Assange's two-day public hearing at the UK High Court. This is today's News Talk TNT. Yes, the show is still ongoing here. We are live, we are unscripted, we are locked and we are loaded on TNT. Today's News Talk. And for the first time, I'm happy to be joined uh, from Sydney uh, by none other than Dave Oneegs. Uh, what a bio this guy has. He's a prominent freedom fighter. He's heavily targeted by MSM and labeled as, wait for it, Australia's most prominent conspiracy theorist. Well, if I ever make it over to Sydney, mate, you'll have a Fosters or a Castle Mine Forex on me. What do you say, mate? Love to, Rick. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to be here. What a pleasure. Oh, listen, my pleasure to you. I'm really happy you were able to hop in uh, at last moment. I know this has all been arranged very quickly. We're trying to keep the programming linked in uh, with what's going on with Assange. Whistleblowers aren't getting a good time of it at the minute. My mate, uh, David um, uh, McBride, also who works for TNT, he's going through the ringer at the minute, possibly 50 years in treason uh, for treason uh, blowing the whistle on uh, war crimes by the ADF. We'll have this business with Assange. Now, you and me, we're free at the minute, Dave. Uh, we can say pretty much what we want. There are platforms where we can express ourselves. You've got a Facebook page. You've got a Twitter page. We've got TNT here now. But it's a little bit disturbing that if things don't go Assange's way here, it could set a precedent that maybe somewhere down the line, you and I could find ourselves in the same position as he's in. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. It's a microcosm for all of us. Because, um, you know, during the, the, the peak of COVID, Rick, we saw a lot of Aussie freedom fighters heavily targeted. We saw someone like Aussie Cossack thrown in jail. We saw Monica Schmidt mm -hmm. thrown in jail. We saw Nick Patterson thrown in jail for 29 days without charges, brutally bashed by the police. I was heavily attacked by the mainstream media, slandered, all sorts of um, false information published about me. 
And this was going ongoing throughout. Anyone who called out the agenda for what it was was either cancelled on social media or vilified by the mainstream media or had all the, I guess, weapons of the institutions thrown at them. But what we've seen with Assange is particularly egregious because I guess the, the scale of what he exposed is on a whole other level compared to what people like myself were involved in. But seeing the way he's been treated, it is a real shot across the bow for every single person who values the truth and who values freedom because his only so-called crime is exposing the crimes of the criminal elite, Rick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, it's worth pointing out, Dave, as well, that he didn't go hacking to get this information. He was effectively given an envelope, let's call it a brown envelope with some footage in it that he published, along with other things on WikiLeaks. He didn't go hunting for this. This stuff was passed to him. And being a proper journalist, wanting to put it out into the public domain because it affects the public, it's no different, really. It's a different subject matter than you and I, for example, shedding light on the damage that mRNA vaccines are causing we're doing that. You're not getting anything from that. We're trying to help people and save lives and potentially stop people from getting wounded and injured. You wouldn't have thought that that was a crime as well. But look at the censorship that was probably applied to you over the last two to three years when the scandemic was on, when you talked out about the vaccines, the mandates that were brought out in Australia, one of the most locked down countries in the world, simply uh, uh, advocating for people's freedom to go to the shop or take more than an hour's exercise a day, more than two kilometers away from their home. But no, you would have been demonized for that demonized and cancelled i had my uh facebook account put on 13 consecutive bans i had a, a large instagram account at the time that completely was wiped off the internet i uh, i staged a one-man protest on the gold coast and through my street there was all of this covid signage and i went and removed all of it and put it in the bin in front of this uh construction site live on instagram and within a couple of hours that entire uh, account on Instagram with 50,000 followers just disappeared off the internet forever. I had a call from the authorities as well not to do that again. But anyone who was standing up to the agenda in any capacity that made some real noise has been heavily, heavily targeted. And what's happening with the mainstream media is we're now in this interesting phase here, Rick, in Australia. I'm sure it's the same in the UK, mm -hmm. is that the mainstream media spent, they ran a 24-7 fear and indoctrination campaign and a coercion campaign for people to take the jabs now yeah. that there's all of this rampant vaccine injury here in australia we have a new a, a mortality rate not seen since the second world war and now the mainstream media is running a gaslighting campaign and a cover story campaigns trying to say oh it's all these other things but it's never the jabs and we have yeah. so many cases i'm sure it's the same in the uk of all these people dying suddenly no mm -hmm. cause of death is given it's just mysteriously swept under the carpet. And the mainstream media now runs cover for the crimes of Big Pharma. And anyone mm -hmm. who dares speak out against that, you cop the, the, the brunt of it. And a lot of it also comes from anonymous trolling. It'll also come from slander pieces from the mainstream media as well. Um, the anonymous trolling thing, whether they have troll farms and so on, that's another conversation. But it, it, it's, it's a real information war out there right now. I'll tell you something else, Dave. Uh, it's such a change in the last, what, three or four years. It's coming up to the fourth anniversary of when these lockdowns actually started. Can you believe that? Four years and we're still dealing with the fallout from that, both uh, societally, mental health, 
off the scale mental health conditions have been really people's minds have been really messed up with what the governments have been doing to them their finances have been destroyed people have lost their jobs and their livelihoods because they wouldn't take the vaccine mandates and you remember that old mantra I remember Dan Andrews used to be up in Victoria Palaszczuk used to be up there in Queensland Michael Gunner was the premier of Northern Territories you had McGowan that was like a a, a, a ghoul's a ghoul's night out uh, when you used to switch on the Aussie mainstream media and you had the like of uh, Brad Hazard. Do you remember Brad Hazard, Health Hazard, Biohazard, call him whatever you like, and Terry Chant. Uh, I'm having horrible, I'm actually having PTSD flashbacks talking to you here today about the Aussies that were in control during the scandemic years. But do you remember what they said? They said one death, one COVID death is too many, and we can't have even one person dying from COVID. Now we have the tables turned. Nobody's dying of that, allegedly, but there's lots of people dying excess deaths, infant mortalities through the roof. But all of a sudden, where's the one death is too many mantra? Has that been dropped unceremoniously from Australian mainstream media and political speak? It, it, it's horrifying. I, I my inbox every single day, I have people contacting me telling me that they have a loved one who's either terribly injured or who has passed away every single day without fail. And the problem that we have in this country is the mainstream media is still keeping this silent and the masses are still in this state of hypnosis. There is like such a deep seated denial of the magnitude of what has happened that over well over half of the country has had two or three shots of a medical experiment that's had disastrous consequences. And only now are people starting to connect the dots. I cannot fathom that it has taken this long, but I'm talking to healthcare practitioners who have people coming into their clinics saying, you know what, I'm really unwell and I think it's the jab. And they've told mm -hmm. me it's just been the last two or three months now that there's all these people coming in no longer confident with their doctor's opinion or finally their doctors are saying, perhaps you have a vaccine injury. And now this is, this is staggering because he, here's the thing. In this country, Rick, if there is a contaminated punnet of, of strawberries on the supermarket mm -hmm. shelves because someone got diarrhea or some sort of stomach, they'll, they'll recall, they'll do a nationwide recall. Sorry, the strawberries are dangerous. Pull them all off the shelves and, and, and burn them, incinerate them, whatever. We have a situation here now where there is so many vaccine-injured people and there are still, still people offering these injections right now. It is extraordinary. We had so many high-profile people as well. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the case of Dr. Karen Phelps. She was the mm -hmm. former president of the Australian Medical Association, and she's known as Australia's TV doctor. She mm -hmm. had a vaccine adverse reaction and her partner. Then early in the piece, there was Denham Hitchcock, a very well-known and a very fit athletic journalist for the Nine News Network. He had pericarditis, myocarditis right at the start. We never heard from these people ever again. They've all been hushed up. And, and the, the fact that we still have these things available right day, right right now, sorry, today, and the mainstream media still encouraging people to take a booster mm -hmm. and get the next shot, it, it, it beggars belief. It's like, what's it going to take to wake the people up? You know, something else to bear in mind too, uh, one of the, the, the damages that was caused by people, not just by taking the jabs, but a lot of people were damaged by not taking the jabs. And by that, what I mean is they lost their jobs. So there were mandates that were brought in in Australia that if you were uh, working in education or you were a cop or a firefighter or a police or whatever it happened to be, or a doctor or a nurse, that you could have lost your job because you didn't succumb and take these jabs. And uh, one of the, the first guests I ever had on TNT was an absolute legend. 
legend of a guy's name, Stephen Kelly. He's ex-New South Wales police. He spent no, 30 well. years in New South Oh, Steve-O is an absolute Aussie legend. Uh, genuinely, he was my he was my first ever guest. He was the first person I ever spoke to on TNT, which was just over two years ago. And I still am in contact with him frequently, even now. And you actually referenced um on a Facebook poster. And by the way, if you if you follow uh you want to follow Dave if you're not familiar with him, uh, he's got a Facebook page, Dave Oniga O-N-E-E. G S sorry Oneegs O N E E G S and he's also got a Telegram channel but you referenced the rally or in Canberra uh, two years ago never in my wildest dreams would have thought to have been uh, the MCF arguably the biggest rally in Australian history they tried to destroy us that day people covered in bizarre burns and blisters I can actually remember uh, covering that as well I think Steve O actually spoke at that rally as well and Stephen Kelly uh, when you meet him or when you're talking to him normally he's he's a really uh, smart reserved quiet kind of guy but when you stick a microphone in his hand and you put him up on the stage he he, he transforms he just becomes this uh, mighty freedom warrior so yeah you were in good company that day look you, you give me goosebumps with those memories i remember we were you know leading the charge with this this um i guess this calling out of this this agenda australians have had enough of the mandates and the lockdowns and the injections but none of us had much much credibility, right? I was just a big mouth Aussie. I was a very ordinary Aussie bloke. I didn't have the credibility of being a former police officer like someone like Steve Kelly. And then down there in Canberra, Roland Crystal had showed up as well, also a former uh, police officer with a very distinguished career. And then John Larda, one of the most uh, celebrated paramedics mm -hmm. in uh, New South Wales, he came forward. And then Graham Hood came forward as well, a former Qantas pilot right. of over 30 mm -hmm. years. And suddenly, you know, someone like myself who really had no, I guess, credentials in the public eye like that, but who was well known for being outspoken, suddenly we had these solid, solid men of high integrity who had spent their lifetimes serving the Australian people who all got together and said, no, this is enough. This is this has got to stop. And I guess my message to, to all the good Aussie men out there is we're still waiting for more men to show up because all mm -hmm. of this is only going to go on um, while people remain silent and, and complicit with the whole thing, complying with the insanity of what's going on. And so many people are still suffering as a result. Like you said, Rick, whether it be financially, whether they've lost their job, I had to walk away from a job, whether they're estranged from their families. So many mm -hmm. people, the family has been divided, you know, split between those who took the injection and those who refused to. People mm -hmm. are still estranged from their loved ones. There's a lot of trauma out there. And the, the problem that we have, Rick, is that, you know, Senator Malcolm Roberts as well, someone I have the highest respect for, he's been calling for a COVID Royal Commission here in Australia. Now, like one of your earlier guests alluded to, we've lost confidence in the entire establishment mm -hmm. that any sort of accountability is going to occur anyway. Because how can we be this far down the track? Now, I'm not sure if you've seen something called the Forest of the Fallen, Rick, but it's this mm -hmm. whole demonstration of all the people who have died in this country due to the jabs. How can we be this far down the track and no one's still being held to account? Mm -hmm. In fact, I think Daniel Andrews just got a pay rise and mm -hmm. all these other people have resigned and gone off to new careers after doing incalculable damage 
to the Australian people. It's, yeah, it's they're still astounding. they're still they're still riding on the pig's back. They say you're riding the pig's back here in Ireland. That means you're still on the gravy train. And even though they've exited uh, the public uh, spotlight, they're still working behind the scenes, putting money away, lining their own pockets, doing dodgy deals, and doing God knows what. Uh, and the list that I uh, rhymed off there, I can. I mean, like, I'm not an Australian, as you know, but when I started working for TNT, Aussie politics became my thing. You know, the federal elections were coming up. I was talking to the Lib Dem people. I was talking to John Ruddick, Malcolm Roberts. I was talking to uh, George Christensen, uh, uh, Jared Rennick, uh, I knew all the premiers. So I became very, very well versed in what was happening in Australia. And that's why now when I'm looking at it, it shocks me, like you've pointed out, that they're still pushing uh, for children, for example, to take these jobs, or that there's still people they're not getting to keep their jobs or being reinstated back into their jobs because of vaccine mandates that have also been dropped. And Steve, oh, Stephen Kelly's one of them. I mean, he's 30 odd years service. He refused to take that job. Fair play to him. He took the hit uh, and he, he had to quit the job. But now I suppose every cloud's lined with us. Uh, every cloud is a silver lining because I don't know if you know uh, Tony Nicolick or not, but he operates a big solicitors practice in Sydney called AFL Solicitors. So him and Steve are now working together to try and uh, bring uh, get justice for the vaccine injured, get them compensations and one thing and another. So Stephen is now uh, working with uh, Tony Nicklick in AFL and Malcolm Roberts actually wanted to highlight something that he posted uh, just this morning. And listen, with tons of so much stuff to get through, but the time just goes by like a rocket uh, while we're live on air here, Dave. Uh, but he was talking about immigration. That's another problem that I think is going to bite you as he's hard in the ass over the next couple of years. We're really feeling it in Ireland at the minute and the UK, but uh, Malcolm Roberts uh, highlighted uh, how about just not bringing in 737,000 migrants every year into Australia with not a big population of what, 28 million Aussies. So if you're bringing in, pushing up to a million a year, 10 years from now, you know, that's 25% uh, of the population uh, effectively will be foreign. And with everything else that's going on with you guys, you know, you guys are struggling over their cost of living too. It's not very sustainable. The sustainability program isn't very sustainable, Dave, just in, a, in closing. Well, look, the entire agenda was to wipe out the middle class. And now what we have happening here in Australia is every every single hour, one small business goes under. There's 80 mm -hmm. firms, medium-sized firms a week going under. And now we have 10 cities popping up all around Australia that we've never seen before. We have a housing crisis that's unimaginable. When a house goes up for rent, literally hundreds of people are showing up to apply for mm -hmm. that home. There's people all around this neck of the woods living in their cars as well. And... This is all at the hands of the Albanese and the Morrison government, mm -hmm. who pretty much mm -hmm. sold out Australia to Big Pharma. They handed over hundreds of billions of dollars, bought 10 shots for every man, woman and child. And mm -hmm. the damage done and the debt incurred is, is astounding. It is. And, you know, you talk, you referenced uh, Albanese there and, of course, Morrison Scomo, uh, his predecessor, you know, the decisions that he was coming up with or allowing his premiers to come up with, you're still feeling the pinch for that now. And unfortunately, the damage that Albanese is doing, even if he leaves tomorrow, whoever comes in as he, his successor, <laughs> they're still going to be fallout. It just seems to be you guys are going through a, a succession of fallout of bad decisions that were made by people over the last few years, and it just rolls on and rolls on and rolls on. There needs to be change. There needs to be change, period, I think, Dave, right across the world. And, you know, they're banding about revolution is the only solution, and we don't advocate for violence in any way, shape, or form. However, mass 
peaceful non-compliance is what's needed because if we don't get that and we don't get that soon we are in deep stoom my friend both in ireland and i would say in australia too uh what do you reckon just uh as we close this one off rick the thing is you said that these are bad decisions uh that the governments have made i, I believe they're deliberate i believe yeah. this is by yeah. design this is to cripple our countries integrate us into this, this correct integrate us into this globalist new world system new world order whatever you want to call it and have us mm -hmm. all broke and begging for crumbs and that's why the truth is so important that's why citizen journalism is so important mm -hmm. and that's why every single person's efforts out there are critical at this uh, this point in time yeah and we one thing we got to say to them dave i'm sure you'll join me in this is hell no hell no it's not gonna happen on our watch so not anyway much. dave we're out of time, my friend. Dave Oneigs, absolute pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, we'll talk again sooner rather than later. I got to get the hell off the stage now and make room for somebody else. Please tune in again tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. UK time for more on TNT Today's News Talk.